in the nice months, huh? Very, very yeah. many, many nice sessions, kirtans, and classes, continuous. Too short. Any questions? Yes, Um, So I had a question about, kind of about gurus. Um, so I was talking with a friend of mine recently who I really respect and who is of a, he's a pretty well-seasoned devotee and he's smart in the Shastra and he knows a lot. And um, so basically we were talking about there's some gurus that have been seen to um, be engaging in apparent kind of more ordinary things with, um, for instance, like self-help teachings instead of just bhakti teachings and um, maybe associating with parties that are um, like for instance, Maya bodies or something that we've heard is not right. And I asked my friend, what what do you think about this? Like, what's your explanation of these things? And he said that it's his understanding that the guru doesn't necessarily have to speak Krishna conscious topics um, to give bhakti samskars and he he cited a few examples he said, I forget exactly but about Narada how Narada sometimes is speaking things that aren't really in line with apparently in line like for instance telling Kamsa about Krishna and there may be a few others that you know of and so in essence, he was saying that the guru can just be in any situation at any time and speak anything, and that's in line with giving um, bhakti to people. And so I just wanted to hear what you think about all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that would be a pretty extraordinary guru. <laughs> I don't think the example of Nard is appropriate because Nard wasn't um, really uh, trying to make Kams a devotee, <laughs> so to speak, and it's it's an, it's an extraordinary example of a very peculiar person. Nard is a very um, uh, exceptional type of sadhu avatar. Uh, he's listed as an avatar, he's listed as a sadhu, he's described as a sadhana siddha, as he describes himself in the Bhagavatam, he's also described as a nitta siddha devotee. Um, so he's a paradigmatic figure that is, um, yes, a guru figure, but very extraordinary at the same time. And he, he does some things that are out of character at times, it, uh, and... Um, and that would be an example of that. 
but his uh, intention there, of course, was to push the Leela forward and and so on and so forth. Um, uh, but I don't think that the there's some things about him that serve as a good example of a guru, and there's some things uh, that, that are not intended to be an example for that. And there are some things said about him that um, would be difficult to imitate, like he never touches the ground. Uh, so I don't know if that's think that's a very good example. Um, and I think that um, that uh, there's a real dearth of uh, good uh, teachers uh, to. Uh, in comparison to the necessity of st- of students or devotees and stages that need to be taught and learn learn the philosophy and so forth, um, and while psychological help, self help type of things, which is is a really kind of a form of psychological help, that's how it's looked at. Um, is important and has its place. I think that there are many other persons that can teach that, that can advise devotees along those lines, help them in that area, and at the same time, those persons are not uh, capable of teaching directly about bhakti and taking the devotees deeper into the tattva and understanding and so forth, and thereby really strengthening their their faith. And uh, um, so uh, I don't think it's a very uh, uh, a good idea. And it, it, in one sense, it also creates the kind of doubts that you have. Hmm? And it's important that the guru figure try to conduct himself or herself as far as possible in ways People aren't going to doubt. They're always going to. They're always going to be doubters, but there have to be good reasons uh, for doubts. Uh, otherwise, they're not worth entertaining. So, if the guru is always, we were talking about this the other day, as far as possible, create uh, conducting himself or herself in such a way that there's at least contact with relative issues uh, and concerns that others could be concerned with in the context of service and uh, the more he or she is concerned only with um, directly teaching uh, bhakti and practicing it, it's harder than for anyone to find any fault in them so to speak and and certainly um, it's uh, it's good for them it certainly protects them as well so I, uh, I wouldn't think that that would be um, uh, a good course of action from what I uh, understand to be the climate in the world of the international Gaudiya community and the necessity of the community. I don't think that the necessity needs uh, Vaishnav, Gaudiya Vaishnav gurus teaching self-help uh, and so forth. I think it needs uh, gurus teaching teaching bhakti. I mean, there's, there's very, very little understanding of the tattva that if, 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 if the whole community could be elevated in understanding of tattva 
it'd be such a nicer community, so much more community. Um, uh, because there are a lot of, just as an aside, there are a lot of differences within the community of devotees and different sanghas and so forth and so on. And the unifying um, f- factor, really, you could say, and some like say, the unifier is kirtan, let's just do kirtan. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would think that more of the unifying factor is the, is the siddhanta, the tattva. So if you are lined up on the same philosophical platform on on central issues and so forth, then differences become uh, ornaments, beautiful, and uh, and uh, and so on. But if you're not uh, then lined up on that, then it's it's very hard to to uh, to uh, bring about a, a unity, which would be healthy for the community, because then there's more sangha. Whether you're in that group or this group, it sh- that should be a beautiful thing rather than a problem. And the reason that it's a problem in some areas is because of a lack of understanding of the tattva. Hmm? So it's just so much work in that field, and that is the work of you know, gurus that I, I it's hard for me to relate to the idea of, of one you know teaching on such a low level as important as that may be when there could be many other qualified people psychologists teachers counselors so on and so forth there used to be a system in the catholic church that they also some priests who had a, who had his own uh you know chapter whatever that they would be trained in a seminar in the, in the theology and they'd get a minor in psychology hmm, to deal with people's psychology and so forth. So I mean, it's 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 useful, but they were they were trained in, in that regard, and that's for the diocesan priest, priest who's kissing babies and at the door and more in, in, involved with with people rather than a monk or a, a theologian, writer type, uh, and, and so forth. It's almost like there was to use a. Uh, an example of uh, Iskon, when I was a member, like the temple president is more like the diocesan priest and the sannyasi is more like, um, you know, the theologian takes you deeper into the teaching and and so forth. So, I first of all, I, as I say, I don't I don't think uh, th- that's a good use of a of a Gaudiya Vaishnav guru's uh, time. Um, on another level, Pujapachita Marsh was once uh, once replied to the um, idea that um, that you're teaching Gaudiya Vaishnava is a very high thing, and people are suffering on other levels uh, in greater mass, and wouldn't it be better to you know treat them so so, so to speak. Um, it's a little bit different, but similar. And he replied that there there are people who are sitting before me and they're hungry, hmm? not in the belly, hmm? but for a comprehensive solution to the problem. Hmm? Should I give them them up to go feed the hungry people and spend my time there um, and not cater to those, although there are only a few? But they are interested in a comprehensive solution, and we can offer it. So obviously the answer is no. You should stay there and feed them. Let somebody else feed the feed the masses and so forth. So um, I think the guru should be more in that uh, position for the sake of the community 
And I think it would be good for those serving in that capacity as well, because it it keeps them uh, in a very objective, detached position. If you've got to get in deeply with people's psychologies and so forth, it can become very relative, and it, it, you can get too close. Um, we gave that example the other night of got to be can't be too far from the fire, can't be too close. So one of the ways to keep the distance is to keep the the relationship very clearly one of teacher and student. And and the teacher is teaching a particular subject. So if you've got a particular teacher in school teaching a particular subject, you don't expect him or her to teach you about everything else and, and, and to get... Uh, there's not as much opportunity to get as familiar. You can get very close to the guru on the basis of the teaching. <laughs> That's what can actually bring you really, really close, closer than anything else. It's not like, oh, gee, he doesn't want to get close to us. He wants to get close on the level of the self hmm? and uh, and on, on, the, on the level of, of bhakti that arises out of the tattva. So let's get the tattva in place here so that we're standing on the same ground, hmm? so to speak. So it may appear like don't want to get close, but it's actually about getting closer than you could possibly get by any other uh, type of uh, relationship, intimacy, uh, and so forth. Um, and you know, I don't know who you're referring to, who that devotee's thinking in his mind, who who you who, who responded to you, um, um, and whether that you know is trying to help devotees, I suppose, you know. But again, it's the same thing. I think the guru has to have a little more distance. That gets pretty close, and you're talking about things like or oh, even outside, yeah, people. outside people. Well, I mean, it, there's a plethora of self-help books and authors and people ready to help you out there, and there's a shortage of Gaudiya Vaishnava gurus. So, I, I, I think that, um, as I've said, um, but. That said, uh, you know, it's possible theoretically that a very extraordinary guru, you could say whatever he does, whatever she does, any movement, any way, is sharing bhakti and so forth. Uh, they, they used to say about Sridhar Marsh, if he reads the newspaper, he's reading the Vedas, uh, because he would read it and then he'd come over. The, he, they said this, and I was thinking that, from the, you know, from what they said, and there you are off into a, in the Bhagavatam, right? So um, that is more, I think, of an example of how a sadhu can touch the world and not be touched by it. But it's very apparent then that he's touching it, but he's not being touched by it, and he's bringing it, incorporating it within, and and using it to bring you within uh, deeper, giving a reference point from the world where you might be preoccupied um, to understand a uh, an aspect, uh, a point of the tattva, and and so on. That's quite, 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 quite different. Um, but it's true that let's say if you if an advanced devotee can meet someone and talk to them about anything, um, I meet people, and I'm not meeting them in the context of teaching them about bhakti. So it's not the subject. I met the guy, you know, in some interaction. Talk, I, I see he's not interested in, or he's not approaching me for that reason, so we're talking about something. And certainly something 
some bhakti can be shared with him in that context by association. It's possible just by you know some, a little contact and so forth. Um, but uh, that's a little bit different, and I wouldn't require kind of mix those two to come to that kind of um, conclusion. And uh, to me, it probably, you know, I, mean, I may know the community fairly well, so it, it speaks more of probably, unfortunately, a lack of interest in, in the subject um, uh, and understanding of it and what, it, what, what constitutes being involved in it and so forth. Um, to spend uh, one as a guru one's time like that, um, it seems very like a very poor use of time, and it creates the kind of doubts that you might have. Now, you know, I mean, uh, people rationalize um, these type of things for uh, for reasons of their own. Um, and you have to kind of sort out answers like that, you know, take that into consideration why somebody might answer like that, which is another issue you bring up. He seems learned, he seems wise and so forth, but he's given an answer, I'm not quite satisfied with it. So what's the why behind that? Is there some bias? Is there some... Well, it's his guru. It's his guru. So, that could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that could be a problem. I mean, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm not going to ask, but I'm just giving a, a, a general answer. And, and um, so, there you go. Does that help? Yeah. That's my my answer. What else? Yes, Marge. Do you sometimes present yourself as an author? So I would like if you can share with us some words about what represents to live a life of an author in the context of. Well, I don't know what you're looking for entirely, but I mean, I never wrote anything but a letter before I um, uh, ventured uh, out of uh, in, well, into the uh, shelter of Pujapat Sridhar Marsh and uh, I was very um, prior to that uh, involved in the distribution of Prabhupada's books and and so forth and uh, and um, when um, I originally left ISKCON then I the, the book trust uh, of ISKCON wouldn't sell me Prabhupada's books to sell to other people and that's how bad I was considered to be, how deviant I was considered to be. Um, so, whatever, um, I thought, well, Prabhupada used to invoke a saying that necessity is the mother of invention. I think it was a Napoleonic uh, saying, and he was a pretty, pretty creative guy. Um, and so, there it was. I said I'd never, like I said, I'd never written anything but a letter to anybody. But um, um, it's true that if you can speak... Um, coherently and lecture and so forth, then you can probably uh, put it to uh, to the pen and write. Um, that said, there are two different there are two different things at the same time. But the basic ability mm -hmm, uh, to speak logically, coherently, make a presentation could um, be converted into 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 writing, which is then another art that needs to be learned. Um, so 
out of necessity, I began to uh, to write. We began writing a magazine. We called it Clarion Call, um, and uh, it was a quarterly magazine. That's how I started writing. I wrote most of the articles. Yoga Maya was there for some of that, right? And, and I wrote them under different names and, and, and whatnot. It was just me and, and a couple other persons helping out. We had this national magazine. It was when the word New Age came out. It was in the mid, uh, mid uh, to late uh, 1980s, and around the time of the fall of the Soviet Union and, and so forth. And um, so there was a whole bunch of these publications coming out. There's a famous publication you may know called Yoga Journal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was still in the, in the red at that time, in, financially. And so they were one of our competitors of sorts. Um, so we can imagine we were in the red too, <laughs> more, more than them. But we had advertisements. There was a color magazine. It came out quarterly. They were thematic and so forth. And so that's how I began uh, to write. And um, I, another devotee, a godbrother of mine, initially did some editing. And I mean, I didn't know about the art of writing and editing, but I... Um, learned something from his edits. He was was pretty good. He, he, I argued with him about things, you know, about how it should sound and say what's. But I I pretty quickly learned that I had something to learn in the field in terms of the art, right? And so um, good, and uh, I work improved. And then uh, I wrote a book. Um, it was called Rasa. Uh, it is called Rasa. Love Relationships in Transcendence. It was meant for the general public. This was again around New Age time too. and when Madonna was real prominent uh, at the time and in the world of popular music and she was cited in the book. So it was a contemporary type of uh, book about our times and taking them into consideration and you know, what is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It was directly about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's called Rasa. So, uh, so uh, I wrote that and, and I, I didn't know so much what to do with, do with it, but I kept it. And then when Rinaranya joined me, um, that was like 1993 or two or something like that or four. Um, she... Uh, <laughs> was uh, 19 and um, uh, she's got this big forehead. I thought, this is a pretty smart young lady here. <laughs> uh, and um, anyway, she was very enthusiastic and she learned editing. I mean, she actually, she, she got, a, got a course at the Berkeley Extension. Uh, I think it was a two-year course or something like that she took and just to edit my books. And uh, so um, uh, we, we brought out that book, Rasa, and um, that was the beginning of the book. Then we stopped the had stopped the clearing call. We started another magazine called Gaudiya Darshan, I think, which was for devotees. Our magazine, Clarion Call, was quite successful in that the flagship magazine of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, is that the right term for flagship magazine, of ISKCON, which was the Gaudiya Vaishnav magazine in the world, in the modern world, 
um, uh, uh, secretly met with myself hmm, uh, to uh, get insight in how to improve the magazine based on what we were doing with uh, Clarion Call, which which wasn't it was an outreach kind of magazine. So anyway, I gave him some advice. Um, but it, later we shifted and then started writing this magazine, Gaudi Darshan, just for devotees. So all the articles were just about, um, directly about Gaudi Vaishnavism. That was quite a nice uh, magazine too. Um, and uh, so anyway, on from there. But um, I learned the art of writing from the editors and from reading. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I, I, I read a lot of different books, and um, I use them all. I, I they're either philosophical books or scientific books, or uh, I've got a list of them anyway. And then uh, you know I could see I mean, this this guy writes well. This guy doesn't write so well. Um, he, he doesn't communicate his thoughts so well. This guy communicates his thoughts, but doesn't feel very, you know. So I, I would learn. Then I, I started reading some academic things. I see how the ac- academics wrote about Krishna, or to wherever I could find anybody's writing about Krishna in academics or Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And I would read, and it would have that really stiff style, and you know. It's, but then they would use certain words and so forth. I, I picked up vocabulary. I knew from the start that I needed a new vocabulary. When I left ISKCON, I needed a new vocabulary um, because um, I uh, was a sannyasi. I had no support, no institution. I thought I would interact with alternative America where Swami could have a place. ISKCON tended to reject alternative America, although it came from there, and it ministered more to mainstream America. Um, and focused on themes that were already accepted in alternative America, like vegetarianism, reincarnation, and so forth. They rejected largely, I'm just playing this penis with a broad brush, the alternative America, and this was years ago, because it was infested with, with Mayavad, I would, I, I would say. Um, um, so it was all bad. Um, but um, that's changed over time, I think. Iskand's returned a little bit to that. That sector, but it, but at any rate, at that time they weren't focused there, and I didn't want to com- really compete with ISKCON, so I turned to the alternative world. This is my magazine was publications were geared towards them, and then I developed a vocab more of a vocabulary for that group. Eventually, I I, I gave it another academic, you know, twist as well, and then I could be appreciated by my writing bishop appreciated by academics and by practitioners. And this was at a time when academics were beginning to acknowledge that practitioners, uh, you have to see the thing from their perspective to get the whole, that's part of understanding it. It used to be, don't listen to the practitioners. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just subjectively involved. We've got to step back and objectively look at the thing to see what's happening. So that has changed over, over time some extent. So you know, I gradually found my way with my pen, you know, and I had one of the original Apple Macintosh computers, Macintosh Plus or something like that, or yeah, a little, yeah, little one. 
you know, and uh, it was fun. Uh, but um, but uh, it's it's I think it's it's uh, it's important to um, to understand that it is an art, and you have to learn it to some extent. You can learn it on the fly, like 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 I did. Um, um, but I encountered in the writing world many devotees who who considered themselves editors or writers and so forth. They realized they're not. They don't know what they're talking about. They're not. They're not really writers. Um, and now, it, for me, it's like they're not really translators, even. And I don't even know the language as bad as good as someone someone who do the translations, because the translations are just like they're. They don't know English well enough to write in English in a way that is appealing and draws one in and it's colorful. Um, and I'm sure that the Goswamis, for example, writing in Sanskrit or even those writing in Bengali, like Krishna, are very colorful in their language and it's very poetic and and so forth. And just to give a translation in English and your, your English is not at the level that their Sanskrit was, you're going to get kind of a flat translation where you got the meaning but you know it doesn't like do as much for you if you will um, and so that's a big thing for me now at this this point in my writing I got to translate everything and then they say what do you know about Sanskrit I, I know something but um, but uh, I'm pretty good at English it was my favorite subject in high school <coughs> English so um, um, but it's a very good um, occupation uh, for for a person in my position as a as a teacher of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, you know that we have a legacy of a literary legacy that's considerable in in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Um, so many commentaries, so many so many books, and Prabhupada wanted an ongoing current. Uh, even at the cost of temples, like we were saying the other night, sell the marbles and and print books. Uh, there'll be and I feel that way about my books. I feel about my own books that I learn so much from them, and I think this devotees are going to benefit from this because I'm a devotee and I'm benefiting from this. So I get excited like that. I know the sales aren't much. <laughs> um, there's not that much interest, and then there's a lot of propaganda against um, hearing from me um, but it doesn't I don't really it doesn't really bother me I, I I know that what I'm writing is good for Gaudiya Vaishnavas and it'll probably be around longer than I will and whatever problems people have with me will will die along with them <laughs> and my books will live on <laughs> so to speak it, you know my it's you know my humble contribution but it's a good contribution I I I, I know the audience devotee community well I I know very much what they need to hear and I know how Gaudi Vaishnavism could be presented in such a way that thoughtful educated people would 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 possibly find it of interest and and, um, and I I don't take any credit for knowing that. I feel blessed by my uh, association, my gurus, to be in that position. I'm kind of humbled by it, actually. So, um, 
I do write and think that's pretty far out. Well, it just came out there. I, I, it's uh, I get something out of it. I learn something from it, and and so for me, it's 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 like I said the other day. It's it's very kind of exciting exploration. I explore the ideas and and I, and then I write them in my head, and then I then I had to put them into the, the pen, and then. Then so many other other ideas come, and so it's it's very consuming, very very uh, absorbing, and um, and um, and it's a it's a there's a need for that. So if you can do a little find a little something that needs to be done within Gaudiya Vaishnavism, <laughs> that's good for you. So I found a little niche. Um, I think that um, where I can be most useful, and I don't know so. I don't know if that is what you wanted to hear, but there's some some thoughts about writing. So, anyway, um, what's the time? Okay, it's been nice to be with you all, and I'm not going to take any more questions tonight. Um, but I'll be back before you know it. <laughs> so it's uh, probably who knows, maybe more. Okay. Guys, you should go around the mountain and look at that.